Welcome to Adventure Guys, the podcast for humans and dogs. I'm Eric the Human. And I'm Nick the Human. And we have a returning guest. We've only had a couple of returning guests so far within the podcast. Uh, but this guest hasn't been here since the early days. Early days, the initial run, the pilot phase, the test run. Our actually the very first guest in Adventure Guys history. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I feel so excited. Yes. Back again, Mayor of the Human. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. Yeah, Mara, <laughs> it's been like uh, a year and a half since you've been on the podcast. Yeah, and what that was episode like five, I think. Yeah, like single right? digits. Yeah, that was wow. five. Single digits episode. You did a really good one. You did Simon and Marcy. Oh, man. Really heavy hitting. This felt like a heavy kind of plot setup episode, though, too, in a similar way. But mm-hmm. also, I'm watching this one completely out of context. So, yeah, this was, this I was don't actually one. know what it's setting up. Yeah, I think, like, Eric, you said, I don't remember this one. That, what did you say? Yeah, this episode doesn't like stick out in my memory as being like a standout episode. But upon watching it again, I, this might be my new favorite episode <laughs> of the series. Yeah, we watched it twice in a row. Just. <laughs> Out of necessity to really like grapple with what happened in it. Yeah. So here we are. We're in Brooklyn Saturday morning. Uh, it's maybe been a week since you last heard our podcast, but for us, that was like 12 hours ago. <laughs> yeah. Eric's getting ready to go on tour. He talked about it last time, but you want to do another little shout out? You might be on the tour now when this comes out. Yeah. So I'm touring with a band called Crazy in the Brains. I'm filling in on keyboards for them, and we're touring the first three weeks of March through the Midwest and Northeast. Uh, we're supporting the Tossers from Chicago, so check that out. We'll put up the links for for shows. Yeah, go go find Eric and say hello um, out on this tour. That'll be really fun. We'll, we'll, I, I do like the idea of trying to figure out how to do a tour episode. That's right. Everyone, everyone, come up to Eric and tell them tell them your favorite episode. <laughs> yes, that would be really fun. Um, but yeah, so we're banking episodes real quick in succession. Uh, Mara is my neighbor here in Greenpoint. Thank you, Mara, for coming back. Of course. It is so fun to be here. It's weird because I, as I've told Nick, and I think I said last time on the pod, I've only watched probably like 10 episodes total of Adventure Time, but I love the show and I obviously love everything it does. But every time I watch a show, an episode, it's completely out of context. And so I'm left half watching it like a child just because I'm taking in the lights and colors and sounds. I like the, it takes me some time for the dialogue to actually sink in. But uh, it is good. It's always fun to see see an episode and see where our characters are. AKA, I only recognize Jake and Finn this time. So yeah, who is everyone else? Who is Magic Man? I most burning question. Yeah, I mean, I it. What's cool? <laughs> who is Magic Man? <laughs> question uh, of the ages. Yeah, question of the ages. It is funny though. I mean, before we dive into to Magic Man, because that's a whole that, that's a so whole thing. Opening a whole door. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is, I mean, we've talked about it before, but it, it is fun. You can watch the show on a multitude level. I mean, this episode is asking you to pay attention and go deeper, but it is funny that you can like watch it and think it's funny. They throw in jokes here and there and asides that keep a casual viewer maybe engaged. Um, and it is visually outrageous, but yeah, once if you check, if you turn it to into the dialogue, you might get your mind blown on this, especially in this one. I was yeah. like the whole watching the episode, we were all gasping at different points. Like different <laughs> things made us all be like, wait, what? Yeah. Like whether it was a joke or a really serious piece of plot, we all kind of had a different. Yeah. You know, we're doing it, Eric. Last time we did it a good hour plus of nonsense before episode discussion. Let's let's go into episode discussion now. All right. All right. We're ready. 
So, so who is Magic Man? Um, what's really great about it, Eric? I think you were going there before before uh, we talked about why we were recording back to back eps instead of just keeping it current, which we try to do. Um, is because of tour. But last night, so the last week we did a, a Magic Man episode, our first ever Magic Man episode from season four. Um, and by the just the, the luck of the random episode generator. We got this Magic Man episode. Yeah, sort of the spiritual sequel to the, the other episode that we just did. Yeah, this makes too much sense for the way our podcast is meant to operate, <laughs> which is just random episode. Yeah, I apologize to all our li- listeners who are expecting something far more chaotic. Uh, sorry that this is going to make sense. <laughs> I know. Like a logical train of thought happening. <laughs> Shocking. Oh, no. I know. I wish it was May because then it could be Magic Man May. <laughs> like we did be Movember. Uh, we'll we'll workshop that. Okay. Magic um, Man March. Magic Man March. Oh, time this right. We could hold hold these episodes to come out into to March just for the alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> Love a good alliteration. But who's Magic Man? In the last episode, Mara, Finn, uh, literally says at one point, "What is your deal, Magic Man?" <laughs> He's like, "What is going on here?" And yeah, it's what is going on in the last episode. You know. They show this photo of Magic Man and, like, a magic woman. We don't know who it is. They're not named. But it shows that Magic Man cared for someone. Now, Mara, I'll give you a little bit of backstory into who Magic Man was. This was on the last episode um, for our listeners. But this is what we learned last night. Magic Man, okay, was on Mars. Check. And had some magic powers and used them to just wreak havoc for everybody on Mars um, including even like the king of Mars who's Abraham Lincoln and his brothers who's glob 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 I forget the, all their names and uh, I, that, I feel bad for saying that but um, the four G's and uh, he did like insane shit like make their shadows come to life okay. and uh, and attack them and like made all the water hair and when everyone drank the hair they became bald um and it fits so much into like 11 minute episodes yeah. every time i'm like astounded at the amount of plot and, you've managed to tell me and i want to follow like, up on that because we talked about drinking the hair and making them all bald magic man takes off his hat uh, at the end of this episode and he has hair yeah which makes it even more diabolical that he made all the other people lose their hair um but he was banished to earth and his brother's um you know, Glob, who is in this episode, who is uh, tragically passed, says, look, Magic Man, all you need to do is care about other people. If you show that you, like, care about other living things, then you can come back to Mars and live with us. But, like, you just seem to have no, like, concern for any other living thing. Like, he's like a true, like, sociopath. That's that's why I was laughing, giggling about Yeah, or psychopath. Uh, still need clarity on that. Um <laughs> And he is, and they give him this like thing that his like Mars transporter. And all you have to do is if he goes on, he grabs the handlebars and thinks about another person. It will then transport him back to Mars where he was. Oh, wow. But he's been on earth. He's been on for 200 years and he thinks it's quote broken because he cannot think about another person because he's so 
just like narcissistic and in his own head. Wow. So that this is Magic Man, and Magic Man just like almost killed Finn and Jake in this episode. So in the last episode. So going into this, there's some heavy Magic Man baggage. Finn, when they get to I gasped, my first gasp is um Bet Betty shows up at Magic Man's house and I went, Oh <gasps> not this place. Not this place. She shouldn't be there. Which I like because then immediately followed by Finn being like uh uh being like, I don't want to do this. Oh, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And and Jake's like, yeah, he's a worthy adversary. <laughs> um yeah, but that okay, that's a little bit of Magic Man backstory. You don't get a whole lot. Um they just kind of throw you into the deep end of your neighbor's pool, should I even say? Wow. Um and yeah, what were we gonna say? Uh, yeah, it there's, there's no it doesn't make it. this character has a history of not making sense in the show. Yeah, but I think in this episode they 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 start making him make a little bit more sense. I mean, there's a lot of craziness going on. It's not gonna be exactly uh clean and swift, but there's some there's some stuff. so the, the episode opens because we we should talk about it. Finn and Jake see. Glob coming down to Earth, right? Well, Glob's helmets. Helmets, yeah. And, and I had to think, like, so, wait, how did this happen? Uh, Glob died in a previous episode. Yeah. In Astral Plane. We reviewed that one. Mm-hmm. Finn witnesses Glob sacrificing themselves. Somehow, I f- kind of forget. It's because yeah. the comet is coming. Right. And it's going to hit Mars. And they do something to redirect it towards earth instead. Yeah. <laughs> it's know. really insane, but but all we know is that Glob has died. It's tragic be, knowing Glob's figure in in this universe. Yeah. And Abraham Lincoln has already sacrificed himself. Yeah. So these <laughs> these the king these of Martian Mars. deities right. are Of course. They're dropping like flies. Yeah. And they kind of like are like some of the most smart like beings in the universe that like take care of things so this is not good um and they're coming down and they're like they've got these like telescopes they're trying to find it um but someone and it crashes into ooh and someone beats them there and it turns out to be betty now mary did you do you know betty i know i don't so another you character us, i don't well, know you joined us for simon and marcy yes so you're you're already into the ice king simon backstory yes you, you like that and so betty is somehow linked to that story as well like big time big time <laughs> yeah so this is what <laughs> yeah big, like big I'm time. opening a whole yeah. other box yeah uh, but you're gonna that that is context when you when you go to watch the next 10 episodes i would seek out there's like a couple of very key um simon and betty okay ep- episodes simon Ice King. And betty do you want to explain a little bit of who betty is uh yeah well she's simon's girlfriend and research partner before he went mad like back. Wait, then I do. Then she was in there. Isn't she like, uh, is there mention of her? I feel like I've seen something then that feels like a little familiar. I th- she, she might have been mentioned for him. What? She what? She seems a little young for him. Well, Simon was, they're the same age before Simon. Um, oh, right. He puts was like on the helmet. Ice kingified. So he got all like, yeah, crazy yeah. And like, like they were both. <laughs> grad PhD students or something. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Together. okay. So that's, and, oh, sad. and then she loses him. Um, and that's like, the whole, all the pool stuff. And the yeah. Gone. So that's why Simon comes back because 
Yeah. Well, 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 they do a great job of like without having any context. I, of course, I mean, it's an 11 minute show <laughs> primarily made for children, which is the part that always makes me laugh because we're watching this whole episode and I'm like, oh, my God, all this stuff's happening. And then I remember this is technically a kid show. And I'm like, wait, what? Um, but they Although, do. But, a- yeah. But at this point, they're kind of not they're not even trying. To- it's like not even yeah. pretending. And that's why I said I joke that I kind of take the show in as a kid because I'm just kind of hearing the words. And then all yeah. of a sudden I realize they've said something either like sever his spine or <laughs> said something that's like super deep and serious about like relationship advice or things like that. And you're like, wait. This wait what who but they do a great job in that time like I didn't necessarily I I don't need it they do a great job of including her in a way that doesn't make me go who is this this is so random like I kept up yeah which was helpful yeah but yeah but that she she I forget exactly I, she's she's brought from in another timeline like back from when Simon he she, she is brought to the present day through a time warp right. Yeah, and it's it's sort of circular because I think Simon in, like, or Ice King version of Simon tries to, like, go back in time to, like, find Betty, but by opening that portal, that's how Betty gets into, like, Ice King time, and she leaves Simon, which is what initially caused her to disappear so it's it it's all wow. feeds into each, itself. It's like it's it's weird, but like yeah, Betty is still like I don't know, like thirty years old or so, and Ice King is now like a thousand years old. Gotcha. Okay, they made that not not weird. Yeah. So there's, there's context for that. Yeah. The the passage of time for Betty has only been a couple years at this point. Gotcha. Nice. Yeah, it's it's a lot to <laughs> to unpack here, but. It's, she, I mean, she remains a pretty enigmatic character. Like every time she shows up is like kind of out of nowhere because once she gets into like Finn and Jake's time, like she kind of pieces out. She's like, oh, Simon is Ice King now and nobody knows how to fix that. So I'm just going to go off on my own adventures and try to figure it out by myself. And we, we've talked about how weird that is. Like she doesn't want to collaborate with any of the scientific minds of Ooh. She's, She's her own. Yeah. Adventure time adventures. Yeah. It, yeah, I mean, so but they go into that a little bit in this episode. So she's teamed up with Magic Man, and they go back, and they're like, it's sort of like, why is she with Magic Man? Finn and Jake think she must be under a spell, and they're kind of like, well, let's go save her. And as they're formulating the pan to save her, Magic Man shows up and is up to his, like, fucked up tricks and turns Jake into a bowl of pea soup <laughs> and Finn into an egg. Like an over easy fried egg. I very specifically wrote in my notes, why soup and egg? <laughs> like why? I know that's just part of the like, that's what I always like, the, the absurdist humor of it. But like, why? Why is it that specifically? Like why a fried egg like on a ladle? I, I, like I, I, that's always the part that I'm just curious. Why do they make those choices? It's I know it. this show does a surprisingly adept like balance of the absurd and random versus very referential and reverent. Yeah. Like there's so many references to like obscure other pieces of art in this episode. And then there's also like the egg and bowl of soup. They're like, what is mm-hmm. <laughs> Does that mean the same thing as like Yodorowsky? Like, <laughs> Although technically the level of planning, I feel like to get to egg to eventual, like where the story goes to bowl and bread, like the amount of planning that has to be like, okay, well how do we get him 
from here to become the bread man he eventually becomes in this episode. Like, how do we do that? Oh, he has to start as an egg. Like, I'm actually, I've lately been so impressed by, like, the amount of tracking the plot that has to go into, like, getting to that point. But why an egg? So we could be bread. Why soup? The soup even is more random than the egg at least serves a purpose. The soup just gets dropped on the floor eventually. Like, why? Soup and egg. He turns them. I think I, I well it's also interesting you're saying there soup and egg feels random but there's other symbols that are like clearly like it's intentional symbols either references or even just like there's meaning behind the symbols they're choosing so like you, in in the episode right like I think like um th- or like it'll it'll mean something like We'll talk about this later, but the the crab in your na- the coconut crab in your neighbor's pool is like random, but they make it make sense. Like in in a way, like you can understand what they're talking about by the by where it comes eventually, and and you know it being a crab could like like with what it means and represents, and choosing the crab as the symbol could make sense. So it does like lead your brain to go. But why the egg? Like, it, what about <laughs> what about Finn is like an egg? <laughs> when I don't, it's it's like, well, was that one intentional? I mean, it all feels very intentional. Um, I don't know. Is there something about Finn that is egg-like? Yeah. <laughs> and then like, or Jake that's soup-like. <laughs> has Tiny Manticore shown up before? Yes. The tiny, yes, that's what I thought. I feel like I've heard of Tiny yeah. Manticore. So, so they bring him. They bring Finn, Finn and Jake bottle. in, and he and Magic Man says. Lucky you, you get to preside over my house forever, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and he throws him on a mantle here by my sacred things next to Margols, and that's where we learn the name of the woman in the photo with Magic Man. And then it's the uh, Finn and Jake go down, and next to him is the tiny manicure who is now back in the bottle. Yeah, it's a different bottle from yeah. the last episode. Oh, so this is the aforementioned having left and come back yeah. that he did. Like, they reference it. That is his Yeah, Finn and, Finn and gotcha. Jake saved him. They smashed the bottle that he was trapped in, and he flew away. But while he's flying away in this previous episode, he's delivering a monologue about how he's, like, he's truly just a coward. And wow. he, he, may, he may not have a physical prison, but now he, he's stuck in the prison of shame. <laughs> Yeah, so he's like really wow. got a lot of issues <laughs> to get out, and then, and then he comes back, and the magic man's like, "Well, you're just a he's like, Finn and Jake. What have you done?" He goes, "Oh, well, you're just a coward, right?" He's like, "You came back. Like, how sad is that? You were freed and you came back." And he's like, "What does he say? You he's uh, like, you have me in some kind of hostage syndrome." Like he's yeah. referencing <laughs> Stockholm syndrome, but I'm not quite sure why he says hostage syndrome. Hostage but. syndrome. Like, they probably don't have a concept of. The city of Stockholm. That's yeah. They don't want to confuse kids with like starting to hate Sweden too early. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, he d- and then he says like probably one of the most iconic quotes of the episode. <laughs> I need therapy. He yells it. It's clear in my notes as a quote. I need therapy. Manticore in the bottle. Things I want to talk about. Yep. Insane. Wild. Yeah, I yeah. I, I, it, it's pretty on the nose, but I'm now considering how to work that soundbite into my next. Record. <laughs> I need therapy. Yeah, it's 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 outrageous. Um, but then Magic Man goes on down to his like secret room, which we saw, and he's got this whole contraption set up. And Betty's down there, and she's like, "What's all that yelling about?" He goes, "Little guy's gonna miss me when I'm gone," uh, <laughs> which is funny. And we kind of see like what 
the hell they're up to. And it seems like we don't exactly know why Magic Man wants to do this. Right, yeah, I'm not I'm not clear about his motivations. If Betty wants to become magical so that she can figure out how to fix Simon. Yes. But what does Magic Man get out of this Oh, deal? I totally got this wrong. I thought this was all in a play to make him more magical with the helmet. It, I thought they is. were trying to like, they were they were explaining the process of the tubes. Yeah. And he was saying like, she was explaining how it takes her human nature to activate the helmet so that then it could go on him. I had like a whole, I have, I have all these notes about like, I think it, I thought it was that, but it doesn't necessarily backfire as much as it, doesn't work that way and then it is Betty that ends up with all the magic yeah that's why they're asking him all the questions about um because he matches the requirements of having magic mm-hmm. uh sadness well yeah well well let's get the other one is magic madness and sadness oh, yeah madness, well, let's, madness and sadness. so let's get that that's you know we were, okay so what is what is Betty doing with magic man who isn't sociopath and will murder anyone for his own benefit right. at any time. At no point does it seem like Magic Man is trying to screw her over or no. a, a, and her none of her actions are under duress. It, it I, it's it's puzzling that she has a, a somewhat at least amicable acquaintanceship like or work relationship with this guy cuz he doesn't we've established he doesn't care about other people. <laughs> yeah. But he he needs something from her, she needs something from him, so it's kind of a transactional relationship. Um but it's clear so like Mara I'm I'm making I'm making um, no people can't see it. I have my mouth wide open, excited to make a thought Um, (laughs) to me that and that's why I could be wrong. But taking the plot of it, it almost seems like I think her goal was that the helmet would work for him so that because they were talking about MMS in regards to I think she wanted to be able to study him once he had been like activated to understand in the same way that Simon had been fucked up by the crown. How does it? affect someone oh. once they like gain that kind oh, of power. Oh, yeah. she, she, so she do- was doing it to observe him. That's why she's not being coerced. Yes. And okay. he was hoping to get the power. And I have notes for everything that happens after, but I think, no, I think that's uh-huh. why it like backfires okay. once they break him out and she ends up getting the power. I think that was like an accidental. She was trying to do research. This makes more sense now. So there's a parallel between Ice King and his crown and Magic Man and what he wants the helmet to be. The helmet, yes. exactly. Yeah. Glo- that's Glo- a really helmet. good that's a really great observation, Mara. Yeah, I think. Yes. And um, yeah, you you put it you put the piece together first. I caught the plot point. And, and just to and catch up, everyone, on it. what happens in it? Like, why we're saying that is what that's both of their motivations. But um, in here, this is key for later. Um, uh, Betty says that she has been around studying the other magic people of ooh. Now this is we get a little montage, a middle montage, yeah. which is a which is a breakthrough because you're saying before she's off on her own and not consulting the scientists. She's still not really like she should be working with PB or something probably, but she yeah, she's she's totally going like magic only. And maybe maybe she did ask PB, but PB we know hates magic and she only likes science. Yeah, right. so and this is a magic problem. The effects of magic are on yeah. people. So she yeah. goes and, and she, we see him with Abercadaniel and Ron James and all the magic people. And having just watched the regular show episode last night, this was such a regular show moment. They do the little montage in the second act. Yeah. yeah. Which is funny. <laughs> Um, classic, but she's going around and she's saying like, I noticed in everybody who's magic here in the land of Ooh, there are the th- the three things and magic man knows them already. Cause they are apparently with that inside him. Yeah. 
What was it again, Eric? Magic, madness, and sadness. Right. And that's that's in all of them. And she's like, if I can figure out the relationship between all three and how they work together, then maybe I can figure out um, how to work against the forces that um, have Simon under control, which is what you said. So, and that's going to come back. Um, And in that, they also set up without any sort of context. They did a good job of that's where she introduced the fact that Margols is his wife. Yes. Because she's like, well, what's the photo on your stand all about? And me, who, again, has no context, like, oh, what's going on? They do a good job of addressing that thing. Oh, they're bringing it up. Yeah. And and he kind of brushes it off. But it is clear that, yeah, dude, what is going on with that? Yeah. Well, yeah. So the photo of Margols was we talked about in the last episode from two seasons prior to this, uh, it went unexplained then. So now we're getting the ex- explanation on that. Yeah. And it, at the time you're kind of like, that has to be part of the key uh, as to what the fuck is going on with magic man. <laughs> and then literally she says like, well, what about, um, um, Margles? Like what about the person? And he said, doesn't he say like, you think you had the lock, uh, you found the lock before the key or he says something like that. Basically saying yeah. like, you, it's Margles isn't the key you think it is. Like it's I'm a wastebasket up here in my head. <laughs> yeah. I actually have a theory about that too. That yeah. when we get into it, of I actually think that's in part of the backfiring thing. That's in watching it the second time. That's foreshadowing that something's gonna happen to her because she asks him, like she asks him, "Are you afraid?" With the fog, she's like, "Are you afraid of what I'm gonna see in you?" And he's like, "No." Like or something like he says, like, are you afraid of what I'm going to see in you? But they all basically like there's a couple of times I realize they allude to the fact that something's actually going to happen to her. Like they all yeah. think it's going to be Magic Man that gets these powers. But then a couple of times they like allude to. Yeah. This like like that's well, why, like the head empty, no thoughts. He doesn't think of anything like that's not true in that same way. It's like. Yeah. They start. Well, and and, and to prefer the hammer down on that point, while this exchange is happening, Upstairs, the tiny manicure is talking <laughs> to Finn and Jake, and it's like Magic Man. He's like Magic Man is using Betty. He's gonna transform her into a skateboard or something stupid. <laughs> you need to like go save her, and like hypes up the egg, which is Finn, and to to go down there, and and Finn like hops his little egg self through the floorboards and lands in a. A bowl of flour. It's the fact that he lands exactly on the floorboards and slips through the crack. Because I wrote down the quote where he goes, "I didn't plan this out." Yeah, the man, the man of says that. I love the like goofy like the oh, way it just no. goes wrong. Of like, it, oh, it means well, I fell. He made it, and then he falls right through into the bowl. Yeah. Um. And then later, as like they're getting ready to do the ceremony, Finn uh, or he he like pushes Jake over, and Jake. Flies on top of, goes on top of the, uh, the the photo with Margles, and then slides it down like a skateboard into the basement, and it shatters as uh, Betty is putting um, some the the egg and flour into the oven. Now, if they're going into this thing that's going to take them away forever, potentially, why is she baking bread? Like, like um, Magic Man tells her to do it. Well. I- I didn't even question that. Will they be back in 40 minutes? Like maybe so they're like, well, they said like, we'll, we'll be hungry when this is over or something like that. Like they, assuming it goes correctly, like they'll have an appetite later. It'll be like, (laughs) it'll be like 30, 40 minutes later. It'll be time for bread. (laughs) 
It's so goofy because in hindsight, it's just a setup to be able to get, like, make, find a way for the egg to end up there. Like, now I'm like, oh, well, that's why he's an egg. So he can land in this bowl of conveniently placed bread dough that for some reason they're baking. Like, such a silly setup. I know. It is. And, uh, yeah, so then they're getting ready to go in. Um, um. Should, should imagine the, the the contraption and the ceremony that they're going to perform is extremely convoluted. Um, <laughs> they're going to go sit in two people sized uh, beakers, um, and there's like in the middle, there's like they're going to sweat, and her sh- her she's going to like transmute into her the, humanity was yes. going to go in basically her into like humanity was going to go into the helmet, helmet to activate its powers, and then that would then give the powers. To Magic Man because he had the magic. Yeah, and that he turn have him the magic and turn him into Glob, basically. Yeah, the new Glob, the new Glob, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> we, you, you, you mentioned this. I shouted out. I guess this could be Miscellaneous Mania, but is that the set that of this contraption and the set like they put a little set behind it is like very close to something you would find in the Holy Mountain by uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky, which keeps coming up um as like i mean that movie is a foundational uh piece of weirdo uh like art i'm gonna have to sit through it one of these days i've seen it twice it's it's insanely incredible (coughs) come over we'll watch it Um, amazing this keeps coming up on an adventure time podcast yeah well if you it's it's um the thing about so is do you know about the holy mountain have I talked about Tell the Holy more. Mountain too much already in this? It's not. I, I won't go. Okay. She's like too long didn't read the Holy Mountain for, for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Just like that's uh, to it's, ask if I've talked about the Holy Mountain too much is a level of self awareness that like mo- anyone who talks about the Holy Mountain at all uh-huh. it can never hope to achieve. <laughs> so you're doing all right, Nick. Okay, good. <laughs> and you haven't seen this. Is that what is that? I, I have never sat through the whole thing. Got it. I've seen like clips. There's a bunch of it on YouTube. Is the whole thing on YouTube? Maybe. Well, the thing was is that it was made in 1973. This guy, Yodorowsky, experimental artist, made his own movie in Mexico in the, like, 69. It's called El Topo. It was, like, the first um, midnight movie where it was just, like, a really fucked up movie that was only shown at, like, (laughs) art houses in the late 60s at, like, midnight. And, like, all the the people of the day were like, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen, including the Beatles who John Lennon and like George Harrison were like, all right, look, you made that, you made El Topo. We're just going to give you a million dollars or however much money you want to make your next movie. And like, just do whatever the fuck you want because that was so cool. We just want to see where you go. Cause no one's ever made a movie. Wow. He took that money and made like the most insane movie motion picture that is like still to this day probably ever been create been created. Um, it's like a visual feast. Like every single, like people are like, oh, Wes Anderson like sets up his shots and art directs them. It's like he does, and they're beautiful. But like Yodorowsky, like every frame could be a still photo or a painting, and it's packed with symbolism and all this shit that I like to talk about. So I think because of that, and it's like history, and it was one of the first movies to do it, and it's so outrageous. It's like um influence and culture pops up all the time cool. like kanye when he was doing the yeezus tour and he put on his like you know that the the mask of diamonds and everything yes. he was like i'm that was the pablo tour by the way no that was yeezus no yeezus was the whole set oh with the yeah with the with the agri yeah that was agri he was wearing the mask during 
during Pablo. Okay, Pablo was the diamond mask. That was like the. I thought Pablo that was, was one the one that made levitating... so much Margiela mace. Shout I thought out to it was Margiela. on the, the the levitating stage. Was Pablo? Yeah, and that was the mask. Oh, okay. Then he wore a different mask during the Jesus. He had tour. a mask during Jesus too. There wasn't diamond, but it wasn't the diamond mask. Okay. He was doing like the black, like yeah. I think I could also be wrong. I again, well, what, someone t- during the Jesus time went to both tours. Though. He he was nice. He was like down. I. He was like, I am obsessed with Yodorowsky. I want to meet Yodorowsky. Like, this is where it's coming from. Like, uh, if you'd like, here, like, I'll show you, like, some of this, uh, the, the images. I mean, Magic Man has, like, a very close to the same hat that um, the Alchemist has from the movie. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard to tell, like, too, because the thing about the, the thing with the Holy Mountain is it's also um, a satire somewhat for the spiritual landscape of the late sixties, early seventies, where lots of people were looking into like mysticism and different gurus and things for like spiritual salvation. And there's a lot of charlatans afoot um, who were running like amok. That's why you have like the rash of cult documentaries that we have, because there was this whole thing going on where people were just looking for new figures. And a lot of those kids of the sixties coming from parents that were born in like the 1900s and experienced the depression were not, emotionally available to be proper father figures leaving a whole generation of kids to just be like <laughs> looking for for things and being like and and being susceptible to cults like have you ever seen the source documentary <laughs> <laughs> anyway I oh my god but to my point that i don't watch movies yeah well anyway i what i'm going to say is that i it would seem just this is storyboarded and written solely by jesse moynihan um making who makes our favorite episodes it is clear that's why i want to say like this looks like a a, a, a a tribute to the Holy Man, but I'd say f- watching these episodes and um, checking out his work and interviews and all this stuff, he also is a, a study probably of a lot of the different religious themes and traditions and things, the same things that the Holy Mountain was referencing. It's probably why he probably has reference for that movie. But also, I think he is going into the source material himself. It's not just like all ripped from yeah. the movie. That's why I don't want to spend too much time on it, but uh, well, it's not. <laughs> That's a great. The, the machine is not the only Yodorowsky reference in this episode. Oh, really? Yeah, there's another one. Where was that? Later on? Uh, the crab. Mm. With the pearls? Yeah. Oh. Really? It's from tarot cards. Um, Where is it? Let's see here. <clears throat> it's the the moon it's the moon card in the tower of Marseille. okay and um Yodorowsky loves tarot um and Jesse Moynihan makes his own tarot yeah so that's what I'm saying like he they're both into the same traditions maybe <laughs> um as well as uh yeah yeah you could buy your own tarot cards from from jesse moynihan online go check out his patreon and his blog uh for jesse moynihan dude's awesome and and wow if you like this episode go do it but anyway mayor you can come over and watch the holy mountain too <laughs> well, um, I'll, I'll learn so much more about adventure time in the process i guess yeah maybe um it's, i want to read the inkle like oh I'm, yeah I'm, I'm i'm going to yeah so that's another thing so i th- why don't we just bring it up since we're here um eric um We've talked about before in early in the podcast that he was going to get me into comics. I read Why the Last Man. It was great. So the next I went into I went into the Inkle as my next one because I was like, hold on. You're telling me that Yodorowsky 
made a comic and he put a lot of his ideas from the abandoned dune into it i went and bought it and now i'm almost I'm like in the last quarter sixth of the book and it is like a blast um it's not as batshit as you would think after watching the holy mountain or something but uh yeah it's really cool i wonder if there are observable similarities between the inkle and jesse moynihan's actual comic forming forming is pretty out there and it's like intentionally obtuse huh yeah uh and it's hard to read in that like a page goes up every week and sometimes it it, like it it could be read as if it was a book so like something that happened 30 pages ago like would make sense if you were reading them in succession but that's like 30 weeks ago so it's hard to remember all these plot details I'm really hung up on the phrase intentionally obtuse. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that actually sums up Adventure Time really well too. Is like intentionally like yeah I yeah. Uh, so Jesse Moynihan's website is also intentionally obtuse. It's it's like sort of formatted in this oh, no. like 15 years ago kind of way that's like very hard to navigate now. <laughs> but he has uh, each page individually linked, um, and there's. You're allowed to like comment on it, and I see people's comments from years ago when he was when he started this thing, like in 2010 or whatever. And people are commenting like, "I don't understand what this comic is about," and <coughs> he responds to select criticism, <laughs> and and his response was, "Forming is about you not understanding forming," wow. <laughs> which <laughs> speaks volumes. <laughs> And that's that's the only way that I can communicate what it's about. Yeah. Well, it's like you're not supposed to understand it. Well, here's a little bit of uh um something to back up. This is uh from his website in 2013 and it's from he said the only book he he put an animated short that he really loved from 2012 and the only book um I read all the way through in 2012 was The Way of the Tarot by Alejandro Jodorowsky. Um and I guess like he got pretty into tarot in 2012 and the Yudorowsky book was like the most influential on him. So, okay, there we go. Pretty much confirmed that he does love Yudorowsky. And if we ever do get uh, Mr. Jesse onto the pod one day, we will, we'll make sure this is discussed. Yeah. I, you know, I should ask my sister about this stuff. She does card readings. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm interested in, in, in tarot, but um, I don't know. Like I would love to talk to somebody who, who does who does it? I'm like apprehensive to like get into this discussion with my sister because she's one of those like crystal people. Uh. <laughs> and I I like I like that world. I appreciate the Wicca tradition and, and all that kind of stuff. Um and I like the idea of like casting spells and and but it, it's just made up. It's just fun. No. It's just make believe. Like, like you can break the fourth wall and just be like, "Yeah, we're just having fun with all this." And there's there's that that kind of person who's really into it that you're never quite sure what their level of belief is in this. Like, is it just fun for you? Or are you just like enjoying it's this? Do you real. appreciate? This hey, it, like, it or do you really think that thing. this this crystal this this quartz crystal? It- uh, you're opening a slippery slope to what what counts as a real thing and what counts as make believe. It's a real sliding. It's a real slippery slope there. Yeah, well, that's it. That's why that's I'm like apprehensive about broaching the subject with my sister who does this stuff. So. I used to have tarot cards. I never learned how to read them. But 
Yeah, but what's real and what's not? Like, <laughs> you know, it's like it, that's a, that is a slippery slope. It's like what what whatever you experience that has some sort of an emotional effect on you is a real experience. Yeah, but being able to articulate that is th- different. Th- yeah, yeah, people people stop short of just like that acknowledgement, and it, it makes me a little bit worried. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to the pod, to the to the adventure time. So they're going into the thing, and this, and before they're going in, Betty takes the photo with Margles and puts it up her sleeve, and it becomes clear that as she's going in. You know, they're going to the thing. She goes, "All right, Magic Man, you're not afraid of anything I'm going to see inside you, are you?" And he's like, "No, it's a blank slate in there." He's like, "It's gray as long as the um the eyes can see." He's like, "Um, the, the ground is is." Slick as a bank floor, and all this shit. Um, and then and then he says something, and then his head's as empty as a wastebasket. And then he definitely says, "Does he say this, this is where he first drops the crab in the neighbor's pool?" Yes. Yeah, and he goes, "Yeah, this is you know, or and they're saying all this stuff, and it's like I, it might have been earlier, but Mary, you were saying like it was all clicking, like the sadness and the madness." And everything, and at the end of it, they like slide off into, into yes, and just like in your the coconut crab in your neighbor's pool, um, it sits there, and it's kind of like ooh, like what the fuck was that? <laughs> and I actually will say, sometimes they throw they throw the randomness in here. This one does come back to to be full circle, and I can't wait to talk about it. Um, but Betty's, I think, is like she's she's got Margles in her pocket. She's like. I'm going to get into his brain and I'm going to show Margles or do something with this and like get to the core of what what's going on with fucking magic. Man. So is this what causes the experiment to go haywire is that she brings Margles into the equation? I think? think so. Yeah. yeah. She brings the photo in with her. Interesting. Because then it becomes then there's like it's. Yeah, okay, it's like linking them all together and it becomes more personal and more sad, unlocking the sadness piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it enters into that weird, like... Yeah, then they get into this, like, weird thing and, like, Glob is there and they're like, this is the new uh, defender of the galaxy. Now I'm like, are they in some sort of, like, other spiritual realm? It seems like Betty is viewing Magic Man's backstory and seeing his memories but also participating in them yeah and it's also a little bit weird because the version of margles that she is like masquerading as is the replacement margles not the original like wife margles yeah so is the photo that magic man has a photo of the replacement margles or what? That's why I don't know if it's necessarily a flashback as much as it's like a weird. That's why it's weird that I, I didn't like question it until this moment. I think it's in a different, just like realm, like in in this like spiritual realm or something. I don't. That's kind of. Like, I think how it I was like it. current dream sequency, yeah. like the way the power coming into them just happened to manifest as as Betty looking like Margles. That's why at one point she like pulls the mask off. When they when it all starts to like fall apart, she like pulls the mask off and she's yeah. herself again. There's like that weird like it's ah it's like it's it, it in in the chamber there's but then it almost like the power of the helmet made this like alternate universe scenario where it's just happening kind of in a void. Yeah, where it's almost I think it's like yeah, it's almost like you're combining glob consciousness and magic man consciousness and 
mainly and with a little bit of, what of was, Betty. What was Magic Man's mission? As I'm trying to remember for the plot purposes. What was Magic Man's mission in turning this new Margles with the power into that like crazy sun god looking it was thing? Gonna, it was going to be there at all of eternity on top of this mountain to defend them against Golb. Golb, yeah. Which is the chaos god, like pure disorder. Oh, yeah, that shot was really weird. That one really scary shot. Yeah. Yeah, and Golb is sort of the ultimate villain of Adventure Time. Gotcha. And it's only set up that way through, like, these very obscure references throughout the series. So there's a lot of fan, like, disappointment in in that. Like, when you get to the series finale and that's, like, the final bad guy. It's just because, like, the way that, like, he's interspersed throughout the series is so disjointed and it doesn't really make a lot of sense but that's kind of the point of the yeah, character yeah that one shot they show of him is like so like jarring and scary yeah. and there's and this just is... like weird like um whoa, 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 sort of sound <laughs> yeah. and it's just a shot of him like floating this is the first time too that um Golb is pictured and is officially like revealed oh is it yeah what is uh this and Temple Mars. What about Puhoi? Puh- when does Puhoi happen? Is that after this episode? No, it was before. I thought Puhoi was the first appearance of Golb. It, it's he's in Golb is in Puhoi, but do they show? It's like not explicitly shown. I think bounce off Gol- Golb's tongue before emerging at the top. The pill fort. So it's like maybe part of Golb is in that, but then this is the first time we see the full. That's an interesting episode. Uh, Craig talked about that when he was on. Um, Cause it's essentially Finn living out a, like his whole life in a dream. But then you're questioning whether or not that dream was real and just an alternate dimension. And then when Finn wakes up, uh, Golb has devoured that reality. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get Craig back to talk about that one. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm back reading the plot to make sure I'm like, did I get this right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's not clear what Gulp has done with Margles. No, but it's, but okay. But so when they went up there, Betty in the, the photo that Betty put in her pocket of Margles, now there's like a mask there and she puts on Margles and her whole body turns into Margles. And now she is a stand in for Margles. So they go in and I think Gulp says, Dude, that's the name of your life, your wife that you lost. Glob. You're good. Glob, yeah. <laughs> it's like Glob and Golb is no, also no, confusing sorry. to yeah, me. Yeah. But I'm, I'm no, they all have the, the same. And Golb ate, took the original Margles. Maybe. Um, we don't. It's a, Maybe they're implying that. We do know that Magic Man now had a wife named Margles that was lost or died. Yeah. And that is the sadness. So ha- has this whole episode with him creating this defense system named after the original Margles, did that actually happen or not? Like, Well, that's that's what's interesting is because it would seem that Margles was not going to be a part of this entire sequence until Betty brought the picture in. But now that they're in there, it is, it all of a sudden like, Glob and Magic Man are like, acting like this was part of his plan and he had that whole like, acronym for why he wanted to name it Margles and all this stuff. But it's like, would that have happened? Did he know that Betty was going to do that? I don't think so. I feel like now that 
She's I, there. She's making him confront it or something. I think I pieced, I've pieced some of it together based on rereading some of the Wikipedia okay. part of it. Was that the whole thing is to make give him the power to be the ruler of Mars. And so I think the whole thing is that they're waking up in the like present future of when he becomes the ruler. It's it working and him in way of becoming the ruler of Mars and in talking in this uh. other reality. And the whole thing is she's that like sun god version of Margo's this defense system is what's going to like protect him as he's the ruler of Mars. Then it all mm. goes haywire, of course. But that's why also uh, the glob in that dream is so like hesitant that that's the defense system is it's all kind of like that. It, it's not a foolproof plan, but that I think that's part of all part of the plan is like that's supposed to protect him as he's ruler of Mars. Mm-hmm. That's a good, I like that. So, I I remember reading something from Jesse Moynihan about this episode, but I, I couldn't find specifically where it was. But he, he did say at some point that he had minor regrets or reservations about the whole Margols climbing Olympus Mons scene. And I, th- I think it was something to the effect of, this is sort of like, it kind of gives an explanation to, to Magic Man's madness and sadness and he sort of didn't want to redeem the character that way mm-hmm. like it gives a, a little bit of an out where he's he hasn't always been such a fucking dick yeah <laughs> yeah they they it is true a- and and by the end of it so basically yeah they go up to that and she's gonna be the defense system I'm gonna turn this thing to against Golb and uh and as they're going up she's sort of like she still has the voice of uh, Betty, by the way, does she? I think or she seemed like Marvel's. the voice cha- changed. Okay, but she's sort of like, why didn't you just magic us up to the top? He's like, well, since I created you, like, I figured I wanted to get you to know you better. And then Mary, you wrote down this. I one. wrote this down so aggressively because so I love that. Like, obviously, the whole thing is here is now like he's going to install her in place as this defense system so that he can rule Mars, but is clearly delaying the process because he created her in in the likeness of his dead wife and wants to spend or in his dead person and wants to spend as much time with this avatar of his person even though it's a weapon he wants to spend as much time with as possible and I wrote down so the whole thing is he obviously like made this likeness of his wife and they're going up together and he wants to talk to her and she says to him all I am is you so know yourself and I literally was like, I feel like somehow that's like harder hitting relationship advice in one line of a children's show than I've ever gotten in like <laughs> yeah. 33 years of my adult life. In that yeah. like relationships are just like a reflection of like how they make you feel and like especially like romantic relationships. But it was such a weird like too real kind of comment in the middle of everything in regards to like relationships of him following his yeah girlfriend weapon up the mountain. <laughs> and he gets it. He's like, oh, yeah, duh. <laughs> oh, that part that's great. <laughs> Yeah. There's like no depth on his end for such a heavy moment. Um, yeah, really funny. And yeah, so they they keep going up the mountain and they get to the top. And uh, he's kind of like, all right, hey, I'm kind of forgetting us coming up here. Why don't you just like, you can tell like, oh, he magic man that he's still, this is fucking him up emotionally. He's like, why don't you just stay with me? Right. Like, why don't you, why don't we go down? And then she's like, Nah, 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 we gotta do this. And then he and he's, she's like, she's like, cause I'm made out of your like nightmares. nightmares. Like I should be the weapon you're, that I was supposed to be, right? Which is also again kind of like heavy and metaphorical. And then she gets, she kind of like assumes this whole like attacker like 
status, like when she's going to be fighting Glob and starts like almost fighting Magic Man as he's trying to stop her from doing this. Yeah, and she electrocutes him. And she electrocutes him. Um, and at this moment, Finn in the the real world pops out of the oven out a fully baked bread person and is like mumbling and running around, um, falls and gets Jake on him. The pea soup is now in the bread. And it's like, oh, that's what that spot was. Yeah. That's the piece. That's Jake. Got it. And then launches himself at these huge beakers and at the helmet. And it's like basically just going to destroy all this to save Betty. I'm so mad that the second the egg fell in the bowl and then they said something about making bread, I knew that he was going to become some kind of bread yeah. person. But I'm annoyed because that was so like not, it's not a clever setup. They put the baking <laughs> bread in there out of nowhere. It's just like, I was so proud of that I noticed that and I knew it was going to happen, but it's so obvious. Yeah. The bread man. The bread man is funny. And uh, and it's happening. And then that shoots Betty, a.k.a. Margles, off the mountain and then is falling. She starts getting, and then she takes off the mask um and they are going and then basically they kind of like wake up out of their their thing right and uh and magic man is is there his hat has been fallen off and he says my sadness is gone and then uh, finn hits him and he's like hey what and then now betty has the hat on and uh did she say anything she says laters right she cackles. What, oh, what does right. she see? She sees something that makes her go all crazy and scream. Is that when she sees Simon at the bottom of the pool? This is when I think the the it like makes her brain break. They go they go back to the neighbor's <laughs> pool, and coming out of the pool is the crab holding two pearls, and the head of the crab is Simon. And he says something, but we don't hear it. We don't hear what. I did. Oh, and that's what makes her disappear. That's what it was, is they say, what do you hear? And it's that like inaudible talking, and that makes yeah. her scream and disappear. And um, what he said, I looked it up, um, yeah. which I'm sure you saw. It's the title <laughs> of the episode. You forgot your floaties. You forgot your floaties. So now if in the pool is, is right, it's like that is where all these folks, Simon and Magic Man, are living – with the sadness, the madness, and the magic. It's like, hey, now she's... Now through all this shit and through the the sadness of losing Simon um, and the the madness of trying to figure it out and being with Magic Man, now... Now she, she well, has... This is the magic. Now she she's has. got the magic from this whole thing and you forgot your flows because now you've got all three and you're not going to... Like you're in the you're in the water now. You're the crab. You're down there, and and so is the loomy gloom like a meta is like that a metaphor for like the place Simon goes where Simon is instead of Ice King, like I, where I, their like true humanity is. I think it's I, I, Eric. I want to hear what you think. I think it's that is where Magic Man Simon. That's where all the the people are. They're like in the deep dark the, the I mean, like they're real that's where their real humanity is being kept for lack of a better term so like sure. simon is in the loomy gloom while the while ice king is running amok because the ice king represents yeah or, the, or like, even if it's just like version. you know you meet somebody who's a terrible person who is like really lost their way and it's like why are they like this it's like well because of their past experiences they live in this deep dark loomy gloom. gloom yeah yeah and and the other magic characters that they go through the montage with like they, they're kind of like that too. I mean, like Abraham Daniel, like yeah, very insecure character. 
And the Wizard City special delves into that a little bit more of some of those some of those folks, those yeah. magic people. And and for more on this metaphor, I did find a really great um Reddit comment here from a discussion about like what does Simon say? And this person who deleted their Reddit account <laughs> made this post seven years ago, but in a they said in a bucket of crabs, the crabs can easily get out. Oh, lobster bucket by the Aquabats. There you go. Crabs throw a bunch of crabs in a bucket. Um, <laughs> and it's like you watch it or lobster. Yeah. But if there's a bunch of crabs, like if there's just one crab in the bucket, you get out. But if there's a bunch of crabs in the bucket, the other as one tries to get out, the other crabs will pull it back down. So it's sort of a metaphor for how magic has pulled Simon Betty down. And if Simon is a crab, then he has effectively pulled Betty down with him. Wow. And, is, yeah. and which actually, you know, goes and is like, that's a really tough metaphor. I mean, in any show. Um, but it's like, she's she's dedicated her whole life to trying to solve the like mental illness and the craziness of Simon. And in, and by, by being so consumed with it, it's like made her... That's right. They do so much like references to like grief and like how you handle that sort of like grief and loss, I feel like is like to get you can't get pulled down in it. Yeah, I think that's a really great read from this deleted Reddit user seven years ago. Thanks, deleted Reddit user. Do you know the Aquabat song, Lobster Bucket? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, from, what's from it? Is the, it on the, Fury? The classic, yeah, the classic ska record, The Fury of the Aquabats. You want to play it? Uh, can we play like 10 seconds of it and have it be royalty free? I don't know the, the laws of that. Sure. It says, uh, there are times when you find lobsters in a bucket can't climb out. Why won't they climb away? Because other lobsters pull them down. And the chorus says, friends help each other any way they can. When you're up at bat, they'll be your biggest fan. When you're in a pit, they'll pull you out of it. It ain't wrong to write a song for all your friends to sing along. People too, me and you, can also be like lobsters in a bucket. It's all just one big mess. <laughs> Please don't be a lobster. Friends are the best. There you go. The immortal words of MC Bat Commander. <laughs> Damn. So now she... <laughs> um, Sorry. I love it. I love it. But Betty now got the magic on her head. She's magic woman. I don't know what the hell she's going to be called. She goes... Um, Laters and like does a backflip into nothingness <laughs> and is gone. I wish I could do that. Yeah, <laughs> just disappear, backflip into nothing. And and now Magic Man is like, and then Finn's like, rah, rah, rah. he's like, change back to normal. I can't. I don't have any magic. He's like, I'm normie now. <laughs> I'm a normie. <laughs> Fucking normies. I've been so mad about normies this whole weekend. Yeah. Oh well, the normies the that the the train in didn't help on the LIRR. Um, and and then uh, Finn and Jacob talked to the Manicore and are like, "Oh," and he's like, "Fly you to Wizard City? Oh, I don't know if I can." And then they like get him out and they're like, "Thank you for giving me the courage." And they always help out this tiny Manicore. Which why did they not show getting him out of the bottle? Maybe he got him. I like he could either have gotten himself. I think he. <laughs> He maybe got himself out of the bottle. Because of courage? Yeah, because of the courage. And then it's not even so funny that they're like, he's like bread, and then all of a sudden they're like flying. Like, he, they yeah. just get him out. Well, yeah, I mean. There's he, no more adventure on that one. He never truly was trapped by the bottle. He was just trapped by his own shame. Mm. So, 
Yeah, he could have gotten out of the bottle. That's that's true. He overcame <laughs> his shame and was able to get and, out. That's and they, why they don't need to show it. No. And then they go back to uh, to Magic Man, and he goes like, "What do normies do? Like make make smoothies or something?" <laughs> <laughs> Which is incredible. Love a good smoothie burn right at the end. I like the shot of him sitting with the helmet on while he's normie and he just has the helmet on his head. Oh, yeah. There's something so goofy. I loved that shot. It was especially because there's no powers in it and you've like just witnessed all this magic and like this depressing moment go into this character. And then you have him just kind of sitting there like, like with the helmet on. It doesn't work. It's good. And that's that's how the episode ends. And now does Betty become she's not known as Magic Man. Like she is Magic Man, but she's still Betty. Right. Like. Just like uh, switch identities, not nominally. I want to know what happens to her now. <laughs> she, well, she goes mad. Yeah, she, that's it. That's it. We that's, we lose Betty from this forever. Betty, her character arc—it's really complicated. But she is on a quest to try and fix Simon, bring him back to his regular self. But in that quest, it's tragic that she loses herself. Like, and they eventually get Simon fixed, but in the process, she. Like she has to sacrifice herself to gold. Wow. Yeah. Damn. <clears throat> yeah. Heavy. Yeah. Well, now that we've she's probably the most tragic arc in the show. It's very tragic. The most tragic, which is oh gosh. Right? Like she's the only one that like doesn't really resolve anything for herself. She only no. resolves it for her friends. Yeah. Very tragic. Uh, did you guys see a snail? Eric, did you see the snail? Yes, I saw the snail. Merritt, did you see the snail? Absolutely not. Nick, do you see the snail? No. No snails. Got it again. Eric again. Uh, yeah, I get... There was so much going on in this episode. I got way I too, totally forgot to look. I got preoccupied. Ah. I did look around. I was looking for it, but I also kept getting distracted. <laughs> it was, and we were eating a bagel, too, the first time I watched <laughs> it. Yeah, I did see him the first time. Wow. And then the second time watching, I noticed that both of you were taking notes on your phones no! at, during the scene. So I was like, they get another shot. They are not looking at the screen. <laughs> yeah, we were like, oh, shit, there's so much to talk about. I, there was so much. I wanted to remember to not... To say or uh, note, he was in a little like empty soup can on the floor in the Abercadaniel scene of the montage. Oh, wow, <laughs> wow, what a place to put him! <laughs> yeah, that's why I was totally drifting. Ugh. Well, congratulations to me once again. Good job, Eric. Eric, I feel like you win this every time, <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> one second, one second, I'm sorry. Congratulations. We had to make list. that song my ringtone. You can the the list our uh, listener Tyler wrote an email was like I love that song and I was like well thank you I'm proud of it um, I like the guitar part in it but 
I also think he may just like it because we play it every week pretty much. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's kind of like how like the uh, um, uh, episode generator is always stuck in my head because we always play it. <laughs> what are we going to watch? Well, before we do that, we got to go to Miscellany Media. And before that, uh, I want to take this opportunity to say if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. On the Spotify app, you can click five stars. It's really easy on Spotify. Please just do that. Um, Anchor.fm slash Adventure Guys Podcast. You can support us by giving us money each month, even just 99 cents. Um, yeah, tell a friend. I don't know. Your your support is appreciated in helping us grow the podcast. Thank you. Every time you listen to our podcast, it's the time you're not listening to Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> My other five star Spotify review. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oops. All right, miscellaneous media. Oh, There's things you may not know. Zarek and Nick will show you all the trivia and miscellaneous. We did talk about a lot of. We, references already. Yeah, we went deep. I mean, that was like a pretty monumental episode discussion. Well done, everybody. <laughs> yeah. That was very good. Episode heavy. Episode strong. Um, yeah, so we talked a lot about things that I thought we would in this segment uh, already, but... Uh, I guess like s- some connections to the other episodes and stuff. Uh, we never get to see Finn and Jake turn back <laughs> into their regular Oh, bodies. yeah. They never became boys again, did they? Yeah, they just Boy show up in the, in the next episode. Uh, or actually, they're not in the next episode at all. The next episode, I'm intrigued by naturally because it's a uh, it's a tree trunks heavy episode. <gasps> but a fed up lumpy space princess. Uh, while oh they're oh god, this sounds awful. Lumpy space princess babysitting sweet pea. Oh, no. oh wow. Um, yeah, so there's no Finn and Jake in that episode at all. I guess they're and off then, getting fixed. And yeah, then, and the next one is the. Uh, <laughs> Orgalorg episode and they're not in that one either I guess right so yeah Finn and Jake are on the bench for two episodes wow um, and then they just reappear as their regular selves I guess yeah, they were getting their shit worked out at no Wizard wait City. but then the next one after that is on the lamb with the, the moth and they're, three episodes and they're not really into that they're not in that one three and episodes that they're sitting out then we get the hot diggity doom which we did that one yeah, but they're like they're in that episode, but they're not the main characters. That's a PB episode. Yeah, and oh, yeah. the King of Ooh, like yeah, and then the the comet finale. Yeah, they really got borked up by those soup and egg spells. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is the time in the the in the series where they're things are expanding and the, like the importance of these other characters and stuff start becoming more apparent. I mean, one thing I did want to say for Finn and Jake in this episode, right. Is, is like Finn and Jake were there. I was like, and they turned themselves into the bread person, but what if they weren't there? Like the entire world could have gotten like changed in ways like, like them being there and stopping magic man from becoming the new glob had like, <laughs> gigantic ramifications for every for everyone being. yeah <laughs> they're the ones that kind of accidentally like made betty now what she is they did that but they saved everybody from like magic man becoming glob would have been catastrophic like <laughs> he would have gone back to to mars and like 
it, it would have been extremely he could not have the that power um it would have been awful yeah so they kind of saved things i mean yeah finn Sacrifice. did a very similar thing where he's bowling a china shop where he's trying to save things and just doing whatever he can in the last episode and effectively killed the king of mars i don't know but interesting yeah this is i mean we we talked about it but our our guy jesse moynihan solo um wrote and storyboarded this yeah it it may not seem like that's a big deal but it it really is like i'm looking at all of the episodes that he wrote and storyboarded on and like he's it's a um it's a collaborative effort in like almost every single episode he but he did himself uh you forgot your floaties which is this episode is that you and something big and he did a lot of episodes so is that you we spent a lot of time talking about what's something big it is um ancient power in order to capture good emotion yeah this is a, a season six one too yeah, all these episodes are storyboarded in teams of two usually, and yeah. when someone goes by themselves, like they're usually pretty iconic episodes. Um, and I guess it's because you know the storyboarders just like is that invested, and like they just go fucking ham on it. I know the solo Tom Herpich episodes are also very highly regarded, uh, but it's like it's rare, and I, I'm pretty sure that the storyboarders like have to talk the showrunner into like letting them do that because it's such a herculean task yeah they're like hey i have this really great idea i think i can handle it all myself and everything that i've seen like on his blog about doing that it's like he he did it a few times but he always like underestimated the amount of work that it was going to take yeah i mean like he talked about after i think season six he was just completely burned out i was listening to an interview with him the other day and he was talking about how he was with um the, on the Ghost Shrimp podcast, and this is from years ago, but he was like, hey, he's like, you know, man, I was just really trying to avoid doing any work for the last two years. And uh got down to my last thousand dollars, and I was like, I gotta find some work now. <laughs> but it, it that would just speak to the true level of burnout that he must have gotten from from doing this episode. Yeah, I mean, yeah, dude, Tom Harpitch solo one. Let's let's just throw the Hall of Egress. Yeah. Like, and the, the other one he did was Thank You. Yeah. <clears throat> So like, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, maybe makes good art, but seems like a very insane hard it's, thing to do. It's a uh, brings to mind uh, sort of an off the cuff quote uh, that I, I I got from uh, you know Ben Levin, the guitar player YouTuber in the band Bent Knee. Uh-huh. Um, he was doing a video with Adam Neely, and they were talking about songwriting collaboration. And, uh, they do a lot of like songwriting exercises that are just like fun for YouTube videos, I guess, where they just get in a room and they try to write like a full album in 24 hours or some crazy shit like that. Uh, and they were talking about writing songs like as like a six piece group or something. And Ben Levin had like a very, very artisty kind of comment that was also like pretty prescient, I thought, where he said like collaborating is generally viewed as something that is a positive thing like you know working yeah. with people and and uh you know, everyone put their heads together to get the best result but unless it's like a true partnership between like two people or maybe three people generally the more people involved is going to create something that winds up being less artistic 
because it winds up being safer. Like you think out of the interest of compromise, like people just sort of dilute the, their artistic risks. Yeah. And it seems like every solo episode of Adventure Time was like a big swing. Yeah. Like very risky. And it's like, if there was anyone else to bounce ideas off of, like it would have just softened it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it is, I think that's a really good point. Um, I mean, they did this, there was, what was this, five writers on the, on the story and a couple different directors, but yeah, but I mean, like, I I know what you're saying, like the execution where like, and like, I mean, yeah, I mean, they could have collaborated on the story about what's going to happen, but like, there's so many just Jesse Moynihan things that happen in this that like. Yeah. A decision was made. <laughs> right. And it, it's it's risk. And the thing is, like, I think that everything in this episode connected. But, I mean, that, that just because, like, this is now season six and he's had a lot of experience and he knows sort of the where he can push the limits of this show. Yeah. But, um, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that, like, someone going out solo artistically is always going to be better no. but it is always going to be a bigger swing yeah so that when it does connect i think it's more powerful yeah. but you have to be comfortable with like it missing some of the time if yeah. that's what you're going to do and it'll be way more personal when it does. <laughs> yeah no cool it's a good point that's cool i like that um i we talked about a lot of the other shit that i was going to talk about uh well, okay so other things in this episode, Prisma has a little cameo. Oh, yeah. It's the one time his wish granting doesn't work. Yeah. And he just, he wishes for Margle back, but he gets a wastebasket instead because he said that there's nothing in his mind. It's just a wastebasket. Yeah. <laughs> it was a quick little moment. Uh, Is that also that he couldn't bring her back because he couldn't think of her? Back to the point of if, the mag- if Magic Man can't think of anyone but himself. Mm-hmm. We can only think that he's a, wa- a wastebasket. Yeah. Yeah. There's a wastebasket. Yeah. Also, by the way, the difference between a sociopath and a psychopath is that a sociopath has no feelings and a psychopath has too many feelings. Really? Is that what it is? Yeah. A sociopath has no, no empathy, like lacks the ability to empathize or sympathize. They mm-hmm. lack the ability to have an emotional connection. That well, one's a definite, less the psychopath. Well, the sociopath- that goes against the... The definition, the WebMD definition of a sociopath. Yeah, I was, I was. I thought they're un- unable to form human no, connections. No, that's that's a psychopath. I was under the impression that they're not or like they're necessarily can't. distinct. But the one that we saw last night was that sociopath does not experience emotions. Neither does a psychopath, but a psychopath pretends. No, the sociopath can pretend. See, that I, I, I'm no, not sure that's if they're not like what the internet says. But I, but I think the internet says like. A bunch of different things. I know. I, I'm not. I'm not. Sorry. I didn't mean to reopen this debate. I felt really <laughs> settled on the answer, and I thought I was going to be a solve, and I actually made it worse. Yeah, a psychopath so doesn't have a conscience. If he, if he lies, steals your money, he won't. Right. Feel- a sociopath. Basically, a sociopath has a conscience and doesn't care, and a psychopath doesn't have a conscience. That's like that's the like, okay. Sociopaths know what they know. They know is the issue. Like the being. T- too aware of it is yeah, the yeah, it's, piece of it's that. weak. It, it's a sociopath does have a conscience, but it's weak. They know they know that it's wrong to do, but they they're not going to not do it. They don't care. Hmm. That's this is WebMD. I, I don't know. I, again, this is what I wanted to cover. Again, in the I want the email from somebody who's studied these. Th- uh, did you see the mail at gmail.com? Somebody who listens to this probably 
feels educated in the manner. Yeah, mostly what we're concerned with is what is Magic Man. Yeah, what is Magic Man? <laughs> Which one is Magic Man? Well, he's a narcissist. He's definitely that. That too, sure. Yeah. He's got some disorder going on. Okay. Uh, Norm- yeah. Normie syndrome. Um, yeah, so I guess I'm a little confused. Like, was he always that way? Or, like, the, the dream sequence, the alternate version is like is that like what he wants to be the case but never was or is that what used to be the case and then trauma like transformed him or (laughs) i think it's a that 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 whole part of the episode is a totally unique experience in reality that never happened before since like it that it was happening right there but it was super fucked up and weird because also like i think that there was some hallucinogenic properties to that Thing they were doing. Oh, so, like, yes. the thing they were doing, what thing? The 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 thing that Betty and him were in, where they were in those beakers. It's almost like a hallucinatory state they were tripping. Oh yeah, that's so. Like, I think it could have tripping. been. Yeah, they were tripping really hard in the Holy Mountain. He's tripping. I'm pretty sure that it's human shit that is um, being like lit on fire, and then he's inside the thing, and all the fumes from the human shit are going into him and it causes him to have this insane psycho trip. That's what happens. It literally is. It's a direct reference then. Like, I hate to uh-huh. say that, but that is like a direct comparison. Okay. Yeah. But yeah that's why they were like, sure. They were having a psychedelic trip. I think they, yeah. yeah. They were talking about sweat and they're t- calling yeah. it skin mist, but sure. That's a stand in then. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I like, I like that there's questions. Yeah. Um, okay. This is the, the first time since Puhoy that we get Golb. So scary, that shot. It's so weird. <laughs> that Golb shot. It's so like, buh. it was just that. That's all it is. It was just that shot. I'm Nick has a picture of Golb up on the screen, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like some of this <laughs> shit. Remember this band, Young Widows, had that where like it's like those um, Mexican sort of... Uh, Boys, I'm trying to figure out what it reminds me of. Like, there's another one. There's something else that reminds me. Of. Oh my god, it reminds me of the Hypno Toad from Futurama. It's literally exactly what it reminds me of. The yeah. one second cue they did of that of the whatever was playing in the background. It reminds me a little of like Hypno Toad. It kind of looks like the um the Jack Kirby, uh, it, like Celestial from the old Marvel comics that they just redid in the Eternals movie. Oh yeah. There's a there's one with like circular eyes that looks like it. Yeah. All right. Anything else here? Uh, Julian Jacobs does the voice. Oh yeah, of I love Margles. Gilly. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So it it does here. switch voice actor and like consciousness. I guess I don't know what they're trying to. There, there is a moment in there where he directly says, "Like you're just a symbol of my old wife." Like, yeah, they directly reference like symbolism is happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's weird. A lot going on. I love it. Um, Mara, I don't know if we have any other mini- Mara. Thanks for coming back. I hope it. You can come back again soon. Maybe come back from like for episode one hundred five or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, th- that'll be like your uh, hun- 
because we'll be 100 episodes on from your first Oh, appearance. okay. That's why I was trying to figure out the logic behind the math. Yeah, yeah. Like 105 would be great, yeah. Um, yeah. 100, you got to have every guest that's ever been on come back on the pod. Holy shit. Oh I, don't my know. Gosh. I don't know how we're going to- Grab like, a soundbite for the pod. From everybody. Um, yeah. Is there anything, I mean, I hope you have fun in Sweden uh, that you're going this week. Is there anything you want to like plug or anything? I don't have anything to plug. No. Yeah. Uh, stream Adventure Guys podcast. And give hey. it five stars and write a comment about how awesome Mara is as a guest. <laughs> then we'll know they're listening. That would be cool. Do you guys put a? You guys got to put a secret word in the podcast so that people know that they're listening. That you know that they're listening. It's like the snail, except yeah, you have yeah. to have your own snail, a visual, an audio snail, if you will. The secret word is lemon grab, and it unlocks a. St- a screenplay that has an acapella track to a song that we released. Oh. There you go, Donald Glover. Okay. I was saying, if you want me to, if you want actually this cue up me doing the lemon grab noise, like the, no, like, you could yeah. play that every time you find it. You're welcome. We'll get Craig and Sean in on it too. Okay. Thanks, Mara. Thanks um, for having me guys. Eric, good at. Yeah. What are we going to watch next week? Oh yeah. I always forget about this part. What are we going to watch next week? What are we going to One fifty-five. Lemon Hope Part Two. Ah, oh, is that what's going on there? Yeah. All right. So, season five, episode fifty-one, Lemon Hope Part Two. All right. <laughs> we'll see you then. All right. Good up, y'all. Peace out. Have a good week. Bye.